Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Today's guest joins us all the way from Newcastle, England. Uh, Ontario fans will recognize his name because he's a two-time Ontario Championship with Storm Volleyball Club. He's medaled at the OVA Beach Tour several dozen times. He played at Dalhousie, where he competed at national championships. And as I mentioned, he's currently over in Newcastle uh, with Northumbria University playing both beach and indoor for his university while he's completing his master's in physiotherapy. Please welcome to the show, Adam Sprague. Adam, welcome. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. So yeah, tell us about uh, your university first, because I think anyone who listened to the Can-Am noticed that Northumbria was one of the one of the partners for the event. So how did you first hear about it, and what made you want to decide to go there? Yeah, so uh, originally, I, like you'd mentioned earlier, I went to Dow for uh, four years, loved my time there, completed a bachelor's of kinesiology degree, and knew I wanted to go into physiotherapy. Um, my family is from the UK, so I was able to get my passport uh, to become a dual citizen. So uh, I figured it'd be a really good time to try and do some traveling and experience a new culture. So I started looking into physiotherapy programs abroad and ended up finding a couple programs in the UK, Northumbria being one of them, was ended up being linked with one of the sport managers here at Northumbria who, who told me about the volleyball program here. I got in contact with the coach and decided to come here to have a scholarship, uh, play volleyball, and, and still pursue my master's at the same time. So didn't really have to give up playing competitive volleyball, which was a huge bonus because I kind of had figured that after Dow I was pretty much done. Uh, so it was a really nice surprise to, to find out that there's some good quality volleyball over here in the UK while I can still continue with a master's degree. Friends of the show will, will recognize that Harry Jones was just on the show, and he, he being a local guy, obviously, he mentioned that uh, England did make a big push that they're, they're asking foreigners, mostly Canadians and Americans, to come over and complete their master's. So uh, did they give you an explanation why our eligibility rules don't apply there? Because as a guy who played at Dow for four years, uh, they don't really care that you're going to play like two or three or four years there, right? Like it, it has no uh, link to U sports. Yeah, no, it doesn't transfer over like that. So obviously I would have had one more year uh, in the U sports. So um, yeah, they, they haven't, I've never actually asked to be honest about why there's no eligibility criteria or whatnot, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much, you can play as long as you want. Uh, we have a guy on our team currently who's 33 in Canada as well. He played at Winnipeg and he came over and played pro in Austria. And then now he's at school and working here as well and, and playing on the team. So um, I'm not too sure why they, they don't have any eligibility criteria in, in terms of good opportunity for, for North Americans to come over and play. As like you said, that we can play for as many years after as, as it takes. So mine is a two year master's program, whereas some of my teammates are just on a one year course. So they come play an extra year, maybe try and go pro after that, get some European connections. So uh, it's a good good little system for us. You mentioned you are a dual citizen, so you wouldn't be considered a foreigner. But uh, how many people are currently on either your indoor squad or your beach squad that aren't originally from England? Currently, we only have one player who, or two players who are actually from England on our set of 13. We have one guy from Italy. Um, there's two Canadians, including myself, to Scotland, and then everybody else, so whatever the remaining number would be, are from uh, the States. So quite quite a big population from the from the men's team is is from North America, and the same goes for the women. I think there's two or three who are from the UK, and then the rest are 
from either North America or somewhere else in Europe. Nice. And I, I imagine by now we've piqued some interest from our listeners. So can you just comment on the level of play? And, and once again, on the Harry Jones episode, we were talking about he had already represented England on the World Tour. He's played at Youth Worlds. Uh, you being a guy who's played at like provincials and nationals back home, but you were also like one match away from going to represent Canada at FISU Games. So um, how would you kind of rate the caliber that you've seen? Um, I guess start with the beach scene first, but then uh, tell us about the indoor season as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the beach scene, the, the way it works here with, in terms of university is uh, there's just one big tournament in June time um, where all the universities get together uh, and they have a big tournament. And so the competition level there was, was quite comparable to uh, some of the tournaments in Ontario. Durham University has uh, a couple of really good teams, uh, a lot of people who ex-NCAA players or uh, national team guys for their respective countries. Uh, so we had some tough matches with them. Uh, Bournemouth, which was Harry's team, um, they were obviously quite good with representing their country, like England at, at World Championships and whatnot. So they... Uh, were quite good uh, in, their, in playing against them. So uh, the competition level there was pretty high, um, which was nice to see. Um, and it was honestly quite big. I was a little surprised at how many teams were there just overall playing in the tournament. There was uh, quite a few men's teams, quite a few women's teams. So I was, I was quite impressed overall with the turnout. So me and my partner, who was the other Canadian, Paul, um, we had won. The, the university championships here in the UK, playing against Harry Jones and his partner Issa in the final. They're just two really good competitors. They play beach quite frequently, uh, obviously training full-time with uh, Team England, so they put up quite a good match, and uh, we were fortunate to come away with on the beach side. And then on the indoor side, the same goes. It's it's a pretty good group, uh, a pretty good teams. you got the, the two divisions, there's a north and a south, uh, Newcastle being up in the north. You have some good teams, like I mentioned, Durham. Uh, Nottingham is quite a good team. And then you got some teams from the south, like uh, uh, Essex, uh, Bournemouth again. So there's a couple of teams around the country that are quite high caliber and uh, would, would compete really well over in, in the U sports, I would think. Nice, nice. Um, and with indoor, is it similar with the season length in Canada? I'm just trying to figure out how you played both. So is beach kind of like a spring-summer season? Or do you guys try to get that done in the fall? Or how do both seasons kind of link together with uh, like not great weather? Obviously, you guys do experience winter, right? So uh, how does everything kind of line up so you can play both? Yeah, so usually our, our indoor season will go from kind of the same as the U Sports and NC or and um, so we'll go from September until usually around March being kind of the, the finals or the, um, big end of season championships. Um, and then after the March, uh, April and May, we'll usually start training for beach and then it's just the one big tournament in June. Uh, so then you kind of have June to, to in the Bucks beach championships and then you have July and August as kind of like your off season uh, to then start back up on indoor in September. So the beach season is a little shorter, uh, but there are lots of tournaments around the UK. Uh, a little hard for us to get to up in Newcastle because we're quite far away from London or Bournemouth, which is overall, it's a pretty short season comparatively, but uh, it, it, the indoor season is very similar to the U sports. Just for our listeners, uh, obviously sports fans would have heard of Newcastle, like very strong uh, soccer, football club, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how would you found the, the city as an experience or as like a university town how are you enjoying your time there oh, newcastle is a great city it's um it's a lot of fun it is 
quite a university city, but also um, really passionate football fans, as you mentioned. Um, so the locals here are really friendly, really um, helpful. Uh, it was a big adjustment for me to move over here, just kind of out of know anybody. Um, and they've kind of made my transition a lot easier. A lot of my classmates uh, are from around the area. And so they've been really helpful in, in kind of giving you advice on where to go or not to go, um, what kind of really cool things that the city has to offer. Um, so honestly enjoying my time very much. It's, it's a great city to live in. Yeah, the football scene is pretty crazy over here. So that's a added bonus for sure, being just a sports fan in general. Awesome. So just to kind of wrap up this part of our interview here, uh, if somebody wanted to check out Northumbria, is just the website the best place to do? Or is there somebody you want to mention maybe in the athletic department who's very helpful? Because uh, this all sounds amazing. If I wasn't, you know, married and old by now, I'd be really considering this. So hopefully some of our listeners are really considering, you know, getting a good education, but also continuing their volleyball. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can always uh, reach out to me if you wanted to chat. It, uh, it's at Sprager18, but it's also uh, a Northumbria Volleyball Instagram account as well, where our coach, Sam Shenton, his email is on there. Um, he would be somebody really good to get in contact with. And that's for both men's and women's, as we have both programs here, and he coaches both the teams. So um, anybody who's wanting to to be recommended to kind of email him or, or reach out to me and I can put you in contact with the right people. But just making sure, obviously, that if you're doing a master's, you're going to want to do the master's and what program you want. So going onto the North Umbria's website to find out what programs that we offer would be probably your first step. And after that, reaching. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. So let's, uh, let's circle back and let's just talk about uh, your start in volleyball. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say you came from a volleyball family. Cause obviously uh, your, your mom has coached as long as I can remember. And I think even continued coaching after uh, like you, you and your family were cycled out to show how much she loves it, right? So at what age do you remember being in the gym, and when did you start to play? First times I was probably in the gym was with, yeah, you're right, with my mom. Uh, when she was uh, Scarborough Women's League and the out-of-hand league, um, I was probably about four or five, just going in, with, on the, be on the sidelines, always had a ball in my hand, and in between games, kind of bumping back and forth with my mom or some of her teammates, or uh, we're still good friends. <laughs> which is really cool experience. Uh, I didn't start playing until I was about 12 or 13 after my typical Canadian kid stint with playing hockey. Um, started playing started playing volleyball with the Barry Elites. Played there for one season to Roar Storm and played there for the rest of my career. So played probably six, seven years on indoor in uh, the OVA. Nice. Uh, and our show always loves a good name drop. So I'll start us off. You played with Dylan Hunt, but you also played uh, either on some regional teams or some club teams with some other good players. So you just want to mention who was in kind of your age group when you were coming up? On Storm, like you mentioned, Dylan Hunt. Um, a couple seasons with like, Zed Hamadea, who's just on the show. Uh, um, Liam Gray, who's still over in the one league and, and playing at Durham. Um, so we always had some good battles. I was just going to say it was a really good age group because when we had Zade on the show, he mentioned you guys had some battles with like Andrew Richards and Jake McNeil. Uh, it just seemed like the the whole age group, there was teams who had like spurts of runs, but it seemed like every tournament was kind of wide open with a few teams who could take it down. Yeah, yeah. No, we did have a really good age group. There was quite a few teams uh, from the 16U age group up who really anybody could have won any tournament at any given time. There was us, there was 
Backman, there was Dermot Tack, there was Wealth Grizzly. So there was just kind of a, a really good age group for so good competition levels and just overall some good guys. Nice. So with you playing at a, a very high level since you, you started playing volleyball, um, do you remember at what point you started looking at post-secondary and how the recruiting process kind of worked for you? Um, well, I knew I wanted to continue playing after after club season, but um, me being a shorter in, in terms of the volleyball world was a bit challenging to try and find somewhere to go play that, that, would, that would want me. Um, so I probably started looking in... 17 late 17 you early 18 you trying to find somewhere and honestly me being more of a education kind of focused guy that i knew i wanted to go for kinesiology so i started looking at universities that offered that and then kind of looking to see um where i could go to play volleyball as well so i started reaching out to some coaches um i actually had one of my mom's teammates in the out of hand league uh lorraine faca she got in contact with uh, Dan Oda, the coach at Dalhousie, who um, Louise and her daughter, or sorry, Lorraine and her daughter Louise, both are Dal alumni, so they had kind of got in contact with Dan, and then we had started getting chatting through, I was able to go to an recruiting trip, loved Halifax, loved the city, loved the university, and uh, decided to go there, so that was kind of how it worked out for me, just through some alumni, through some local connections in Ontario, which is make my decision to go to Dal, which I don't regret it all. Some of the best four years of my life. Nice. And you mentioned, uh, excuse me, we were talking before the show, you went to U Sports Nationals in your first year. So who were some of the vets at Dalhousie when you first arrived? Obviously, you guys had a very strong team. We had a great team in my first year. We had uh, our two outside guys were Brian Duquette, uh, who went overseas later on to play in Germany and France and a little bit for the national team. Um, so he was one of our big left side guys, our captain. Uh, Alex Dempsey, outside guy for us. Uh, we had Matthew Donovan, who was a big force for us his, his second year there. Uh, our setter, Johnny McDonald, who also went over and played in Sweden alongside Kristen O'Brien, who's our right side. So we had quite a good squad going into that. Uh, ended up finishing fourth, played a couple hard, hard fought games there, came up a little short, but uh, quite a good team going into that, into that U Sports Championships. Nice. And with Dalhousie obviously being highly regarded as an academic uh, institution, how do you think Dan does it? Because they really do recruit uh, the whole country. Like, it's not unusual for a few guys from Ontario to be on the squad every year, right? Like, uh, I remember you and Donovan, but there's always, like, a couple more coming, right? Yeah. Um, that's, it, it's a it's a really good school uh, academically, like you mentioned. So that kind of helps to draw people in uh, from all over the country. But just the city of Halifax is, is so amazing that people come for a year just to see how they like it and then they end up falling in love with it and staying there for four years five years but yeah there's always a lot of Ontario students uh, that goes without even uh, being athletes just a lot of Ontario students in general go to Dow um, it's a great city Dan does a really good job of, of finding the local talent as well we have quite a good uh, system in in Halifax where we have a club team called the Halifax Tigers who are linked with the university, um, a lot, a lot of the coaches are alumni, so they kind of help to, to build up the the athletes and, and kind of round out their skills and then help them succeed in wherever they want to go, whether that's Dow, whether that's somewhere else, uh, get them to the nationals uh, for some some good exposure to some other competitions. So it's a really good program. But um, Dan has connections. He used to attend school in Calgary, so he's kind of got connections all over the country and is highly regarded as a great coach in, in the U sports. So I think that makes it 
a bit easier for him to recruit because he is such a, a knowledgeable coach. Nice, and I, I don't know if there's any secrets to share, but I'm just wondering what Dalhousie Athletics does so well because uh, it just sounds like everybody who went to Dal loves Dal. Like, what what kind of stands out in your mind that's something you really enjoyed about the experience? Uh, I think it's just the culture there, the culture of of family within our Tigers. One of our big sayings is "Once a Tiger, always a Tiger." Um, so. It's just that that unity. All the teams were always really close with one another, getting together for uh, social events or going to support each other um, at each other's games, um, and it's all kind of being led by the athletic director Tim Tim Maloney, great athletic director. Um, that family, that unity, that we're all together, um, and so instead of just every team being their own individual team coming together uh, and supporting one another on and off the court, so. It really brought together uh, our community, but also just like brought the best out, and, and everybody seemed to enjoy that aspect of it, um, alongside being out on the beautiful East Coast. Now, for myself, and actually most of our listeners are not based uh, in the Maritimes, so can you just help explain your league schedule? Because I think you would have experienced both where you competed in the AUS, but now technically the AUS is partnered with the RSEQ, so can you just talk about... Uh, what your schedule was like and how you guys would even travel to Quebec to compete there? Yeah, so uh, now the schedule's changed a little bit since when I was there. Uh, the year after I had graduated, they had merged conferences. So currently the way that it stands is that the RSEQ and the U.S. are one division, one five-team division, uh, with Laval, Montreal, Sherbrooke, Dow, and UNB. Um, so they play each team twice home and away and then that's kind of the season and then from there uh, they go into a playoff format and then depending on the year before it's winners or first or second get uh, birth to the U sports but when I played we would do interlock competitions so we would play play a Memorial and UNB four times a season and then we'd go in interlock tournament to either Quebec or one of the one of the schools and we would play each of the Quebec teams uh, once per weekend so we'd play uh, a Friday night game, a Saturday morning game, a Saturday night game, and then we would drive home through the night. Uh, so everything that we went to go back, we always drove uh, on a coach bus, which was almost pleasant when you're spending 12 to 14 hours on a bus. Um, we'd only have to do that maximum twice a year. Wow. So with you guys playing three matches in two days, how many players do you carry? Like, would you play all three matches as kind of like the starting setter, or how would Dan kind of balance the, the load of – you guys need to go there and you need to win, but I'm not sure how much, like, would Matt Donovan play all three games? How does that work? Yeah, so usually uh, we would play all three games because the the level of competition in the Quebec division was usually very high, Laval Montreal being two very good teams when I was there, and Sherbrooke uh, always putting together a scrappy softball team. Uh, so usually, yeah, we would play all three games. Um, depending on the year, we would travel with different amounts, but usually we only traveled with about 14 guys. Um, maybe 12 depending on the year but um, just in case and so yeah we would typically play all three matches it was a long weekend for us and the bus journey back was never the most fun after those three games but usually it was a, a little bit better if we could come away with at least two wins out of that weekend nice and do you think that way of traveling does that help with like the brotherhood on the team like I, spending 14 hours on a bus with somebody I think you would you would learn a lot oh absolutely just uh, people help each other out whether it's doing schoolwork or playing games or just those guys are kind of in a confined space for 
a long period of time. So you, you really do get to know some of your teammates and then staying in the hotels for the couple nights. It, it really does bring bring the, uh, the brotherhood together, like you mentioned. So it definitely helped form bonds between us, which is, has been a thing, I think, over the course of my couple of years playing volleyball. The, the best teams I've always played on were always the closest off the court as well. So um, I think that definitely helped with our success. Um, it's just that culture of a lot of the East Coast guys uh, and some of the mix of the other guys learning about each other, learning about the different cultures and kind of bringing us together that way. And as you mentioned, just to clarify for our listeners, this is only the men's schedule, correct? The women actually have an AUS division, which I believe is has about six teams in it, right? Yeah, so the women, they have their own. They have a full two seven teams, yeah. Um, and so they just they just play AUS only, uh, which is nice for them, so they don't have to travel all the way to Quebec uh, to play teams. They just will do their, their kind of AUS circuit. Nice, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. As I mentioned uh we have listeners from all over, but it'd be nice to pump the Maritimes a little bit more and kind of showcase all the good stuff you guys are doing out there. Yeah, oh. Absolutely. All right. So before we wrap up, I guess my, my big last question is what's next for you? So you were technically an Ontario guy. You went out east for school. Now you're overseas with the university. When you're all said and done here, where's home going to be? That's a great question. Uh, my family loves asking me that one too because obviously they want me back home. <laughs> uh, I, still have another, I still have another full year here. Uh, I'll be done around... December of 2020 this year. Um, after that, not too sure. I'm, I'm looking at options of um, maybe looking to go play pro for a bit, maybe looking to come home and just start working as a physiotherapist. Um, not too sure. I'm going to be in uh, a little bit of debt after six years of schools, which is not too uncommon, but uh, so trying to save up a little money, but still want to do some traveling, still have some places I want to go see, um, some experiences I want to do before I really start working again um so not too sure where where i'll end up but uh hopefully there'll be some volleyball involved if wherever i do end up if you did go the pro route uh is your league highly considered because you're you're in europe uh like do you guys get exposure to pro agents or do you think you'd have to rely on uh like dan oda and some of the the vets he played with at dalhousie went on to play pro like what's the the best pathway do you think to get into that that world um i think it's i think we have a bit of a, an upper hand over here just being so close to the rest of europe and a lot of the guys who use northumbria are still in the area or like our coach sam he has played pro so there's a lot of guys here who have played pro have exposures have contacts um so i think that's probably the route that I'll be taking, trying to see what most recent contacts um, there are, what kind of leagues are going to be looking for somebody for only half a season because, I, like I said, I'll be done in December. Um, so just trying to find contacts through the people around here. Um, and it's a bit easier for me to say, hey, maybe I can come over for a visit because a flight might only be $40. So uh, it's a little bit easier than trying to fly somebody in from – Canada or the U.S. for a quick visit where it's a couple thousand dollars. So I think we have a little bit of an advantage there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one tradition that uh, might be one of my favorite parts of the show is just asking people some funny stories from the road because as volleyball players, uh, super high-level athletes playing at the highest level of our sport, but man, does some crazy stuff still happen on the road or in games or whatever. So uh, did you have a chance to think of a story to kind of leave our listeners with a laugh? Uh, I'm trying to think of, of what one would would really just kind of solidify like the the kind of time I've had over here. Um, 
you have to give me a minute on this one because I got a couple that I'm trying to figure out which which one would be the best to go with. Well, I do have a couple questions actually. I, I think the accent thing is fascinating. That like we love their accent. Is there any words that you say as a Canadian that they just start laughing and make you like repeat it, or is there anything weird like do they understand we drink milk out of bags sometimes? Like, is there any weird Canadian stuff that England just finds hilarious? Some of the words, uh, and even honestly, some of my American teammates as well. It goes both ways with like the the people from the UK and the Americans. Um, I mean, the way I don't think I say it funny, but about. Uh, which is like so stereotypical um, or on the court I'll say something and in Canadian fashion I'll say A after it and it, they won't let me live it down if I say it um, <laughs> so there's a couple things like that um, there's a couple things that I find quite funny of, of the, the people over here some of their terms uh, the Geordie accent is the Newcastle accent and so it's very difficult to pick up on but um, one of the, one of the most recent funny ones that was on a work placement and, uh, the two physios that I was working with thought the way that I said the name Pam was hilarious as if it was like from stepbrothers. Like, I think I can help out with the whole Pam, Pam dilemma. <laughs> uh, so anytime we had somebody on our ward named Pam, they made sure that I went and saw her so I could say the word Pam. Um, <laughs> Those are kind of those are kind of the main the main ones that I find quite funny. But um, always asking about how cold is it? What's this, how much snow do you guys have? Even if it's in July, um, trying to figure out when, when it doesn't snow all the time. So it's some of it's kind of funny. At the end of this, you're going to have established a lot of accents because even as a Canadian, we sometimes think the Maritimes people use funny phrases or just have a weird way of, of describing things. So. Now you can add some England phrases and you'll just be so well-rounded. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a tough time figuring out what my own accent is. I'll come up with my own <laughs> my own specific subset. So I went out to BC uh, after I graduated in May of 2018. I uh, was visiting with some, some old neighbors who had since moved out to UBC. Um, and I was playing... A couple of sessions of beach with uh, one of my old Dow teammates, Jake Hagan. And, um, and so I stayed with him a couple nights. And we decided, hey, let's go down to uh, let's go down to Seattle. Uh, we'll go catch a Mariners game. Him and I are both baseball fans. We said, hey, like, this would be a good chance. Let's go down. Super cheap tickets. We'll stay in a hostel for a night. Um, so said so perfect. Bought the tickets. Decided to head down to the game. Uh, we start driving down and we get to the border and we're in Jake's mom's uh suv there's nothing in it she cleaned it all out the only thing that we had in it was the two of us our bags and um and a couple of hay y'alls in the back and uh so we we went across the border told them that we were just going to a baseball game nothing was was crazy but jake's kind of a funny person in, in the way that he his mannerisms uh so the, the border security guards got a little questioning so they said, I mean, you know, let's let's pull you guys over to the side. We'll we'll sit you down for some for some questions, and we're going to strip search your car. So I said, oh my god, okay. So we went over. These uh, guards started searching our car, and Jake and I were kind of just sitting, uh, scared because we didn't know <laughs> what they were looking for. And this is honestly just a few weeks after uh, marijuana just became or was starting to become legal in Canada. So we were thinking the worst. Um, but 
uh, we didn't have anything on us, obviously. But then we started talking to these two border guards and asking us what we did. So we were students uh, just finishing school. Guard asked me where, uh, what program I was in. So I said, I just finished degree. Uh, they asked Jake. Jake said, I'm in business management. And I said, oh, Jake, what, uh, so what are you going to do with your business degree? And for the first time I've ever heard him say this, and we'd never talked about this before, Jake just turns and looks at me and goes, oh, me and this guy here, we're just about to open our own physio clinic. We're get our going, get this big sports sports science branch going, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be out here in Vancouver. I said, <laughs> I didn't want to alarm the guards by looking at them like, what the heck's going on? But me and Jake had literally never talked about it once. It was just him making this up on the spot as we were, as we were going. I said, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm <laughs> moving out. Just had to go along because we didn't want anything crazy to go on so immediately after they finished that the, the two security guards looked, looked at us realized we weren't up to anything crazy so they called off the search and let us go on our way and honestly i have quite a lot of anxiety going through a border like regardless of where it is so <laughs> i was i was scared quite a bit but jake was trying to make light of the situation to try and make me feel a bit better but it's quite funny <laughs> if you know jake then that's such a jake story to have to have happened yeah, I'm glad they didn't separate you guys because your stories would have been nowhere near matching on that one, I don't think. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would have said something way different. Jake would have made up some extra elaborate story and, and we would have probably not ended up in Seattle. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for making this work. I know the, the time zone difference is a little bit of a challenge, but uh, it was great to hear about Northumbria again with you guys being a partner in the Canem event. Uh, I think it piqued some interest of some people who are watching the live stream or at the, at the games there. So it was good to hear somebody who's on on the ground there and give us a first-hand experience so adam thanks for taking the time and telling us about all the all the, the awesome things you've accomplished and good luck the rest of the way awesome thank you for having me i really appreciate it and uh look forward to listening to the future podcasts awesome thanks buddy all right thanks